if you're not interested in BDSM and kink, that is completely fine. But what you gain from taking the time to get educated in it will benefit every aspect of your life and even your vanilla sex. I'm Maria Grunina, and I'm your host of the Feminine Power Podcast. I'm the founder of Feel, the community of empowered women reclaiming their power through exploring the most potent energy, sexual energy. In this podcast, we explore ancient and modern wisdom and discover practical tools to cultivate a deep connection with our feminine essence. In each episode, we unravel the layers of societal conditioning and limitations that have been suppressing women's innate powers. From reclaiming your sensuality to understanding the mysteries of your sexual energy, you are invited to learn and practice to really make a difference in your life. Through interviews with inspiring teachers and experts who serve our field community, we explore various aspects of femininity, feminine energy, self-love, body positivity, sexuality, intuitive wisdom, and leadership. We delve into the rich tapestry of feminine archetypes and their profound influence on our lives. In this podcast feed, we go beyond mere discussion. We believe in the power of embodiment and taking action in our lives. That's why we provide you with audio-guided practices that allow you to integrate the knowledge and wisdom we share in each episode into your daily life. By actively engaging in these practices, you'll not only hear about the unbelievable transforming power of the female body and energy, but also practice and experience profound impact that these practices can have on your relationships, self-love, creativity, confidence, career, and your overall well-being. Get ready to awaken your inner goddess, harness your feminine power, and radiate authenticity in every area of your life. Welcome to the Feminine Power Podcast. Kink is something everyone should learn about. And if you listen long enough to this episode, you will learn why. In this episode, I speak to Julieta Chiara, a sex kink and BDSM coach who guides people from sexual stagnancy to embracing their boldest, most authentic and erotic selves. For me, Julieta is this brave, powerful, confident woman whose absolute strengths are, among many, many others, her nurturing approach that celebrates each person's unique needs and her ability to put people at ease while pushing them to grow. You might notice that even in this episode, she manages to make me self-inquire and reflect on my own personal experiences while I interview her. She did make me feel at ease while also encouraging me to share my most vulnerable sides. 
We speak about kink and BDSM, dismantle myths around this concept, and share what everyone can learn from the kink world regardless whether they are into it or no. From setting your own boundaries, to discovering your needs, to developing communication skills, to reaching higher states of consciousness. Yes, it is not just about leather, latex and dungeons. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the kind words. It it truly means a lot to just have, especially the woman-to-woman support, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've had an interesting story getting here uh, because I think when someone sees me, the first question is, how did you become a sex and kink coach? How how does one just drop into the lifestyle that, that you show online and that you that you help people achieve? And it, it's been an, a little bit of an interesting journey. Um, I'm sitting in my hometown now, and I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, which if people aren't familiar with that, it's a very small town, and it's the home of the Mormon religion, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a place to be born and uh, do the work you do. And how was that for you? It's, it, it, I think it's what inspired my work. So the, the reason it inspired my work in sexuality as a whole is that this is, at least when I was growing up here, not so much now, it was a very repressed religious environment, which didn't really fit my reality because I had Latino atheist parents that were super open with sex and, you know, they educated us and, and they embraced my sexuality when it came to be. And so I lived in an interesting reality of having a really flourishing, healthy sexuality while those around me were really suffering coming to terms with that. And that's what inspired me to go to school to originally be a sex therapist. So that's what I graduated high school and I went immediately to get my degree. I ended up going about halfway. I got my bachelor's. I didn't become a therapist because I ended up deciding I did not like therapy But what I ended up doing was starting a blog that blew up back in its day reviewing sex toys. So that's how that's how I got my my start in the industry. I reviewed sex toys. It became very popular. And I wrote about sexuality, which at least five years ago and in my community, that wasn't something that people did. So it was very it was a lot of shell shock for people that that would read that. And I'm assuming you probably had a similar interaction when you first read your first like sexuality blogs or anything yeah. of that nature <laughs> you know there is a funny joke my friends have like I I'm no longer shy talking about all things sexuality on the internet but it took me some some time and some gut <laughs> but still now when I post something um, on a story and there are a lot of people from my country or like my parents friends or something you know like basically people you don't you kind of don't want to interact on the subject with mm-hmm. I'm like, sometimes I feel the judgment, even like seeing them in my story viewer list. And I shared it with my girlfriend, just a friend of mine. I'm like, look, I feel like your mother judges me. Um, I, I don't know where I'm getting this, but I feel like your mother judges me. And she's like, girl, come on. There are like a hundred people there who are judging you. So you can chill out. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. You shouldn't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. But that's what you just spoke of is is exactly why I started doing the work because maybe people hold judgment but why where does the judgment come from right when 
this is such a normal topic. So opening that door of sexuality for at least the small audience I had was really powerful. And as I went on, and especially with my own sexual journey, that's when I dropped in into BDSM and kink. Because I think there was an era where we have hundreds of thousands of sex educators teaching anatomy, you know, female pleasure, sacred sexuality, all this. And I, I felt a little alienated because it just, it didn't completely click with me until I started my journey in BDSM and kink. And that's when I had, I think my prophecy or my, my calling. I was like, this is what I meant to do. It's this very specific sector of human sexuality that I don't think people quite understand. And so that's where we're at now is expanding on kink and me even learning every single day for my own, but also helping others see what the world is about and what they can take from it. Wow. Uh, I would I would love to actually dig a bit deeper into this personal story yeah. of yours. You've yeah. just mentioned that growing up, you had this division of uh, living in the world that is so suppressed, but at the same time, having supportive and open parents. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Like, that wasn't the case for me. Like, my parents never told me about sex. They're open, but still. Yeah. How was that? How did your parents educate you in the first place? And yeah, how did they support you? And how was the contrast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think many people share your story to where sex was not on the table to talk about. And especially as as a woman, we probably had a lot more constraints. And then the polarity of that was being in, in my house, I learned what sex was at probably four or five years old. Um, I started masturbating quite young. And my parents explained to me why I did that. Cause I think I recall going up to them being like, I do this thing and it feels good. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's supposed to feel good, you know, but you can do that in, in private. Um, my parents walked around the house naked. So we were always naked at home and we still are then nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, um, especially my, my parents are divorced. So I'm in my mom's house now and it's four of us girls, butt naked all day long. And I just remember it was never an odd topic. My parents always, every single year we'd grow up, they would explain your hormones are going to change. It's okay to have attraction. Um, It's okay to be queer. Uh, I once got caught looking up queer, not porn, but I was probably eight or nine years old and I YouTube videos of girls kissing. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents explained, they're like, it's okay to feel things from that. That's totally fine. And that openness created the safety where I could really communicate with them. So I even remember the first time I had sex, the next day I told my mom mm-hmm. she me to get birth control, explained to me how to continue protecting myself and sent me on my way. So it wow. it's, it's really hard to, I always, what I'm trying to say is I struggle sometimes to fully relate with those I have that have struggled with sexual shame simply because I have not experienced it. Wow. And and I had a really core foundation that I think gave me a lot of strength to deal with any outside factors that would have tried to impose that on me. Yeah, beautiful. That's such a unique journey you've had. And it's crazy that I'm saying unique because that's more uncommon than common for parents to be educational and normalizing all things sex from a young age. That's beautiful. Um, 
And from here, how did you realize, like fast forward, that uh, kink is something that you're interested in? What, like, what was the first moment that you were like, okay, that's something I want to learn about and explore? I, I remember now that I have the education and the and the toolbox to describe my inner world. I think I've always been kinky, uh, especially for myself within BDSM, and we'll get into it. But I am a submissive. And I've noticed in my sexual dynamics, I I really liked surrendering and I really liked being submissive. And then as a teenager, I had a few experiences with, with boyfriends doing a little bit of sensation play. So this would be either pulling hair or impact play. And I started to notice the more comfortable I got in that, the more I wanted. So there was an element of roughness, of primalness. Uh, that that I enjoyed. And mm-hmm. as I explored that, that's when with my own research and watching porn and going to sex shops and asking questions, I started to see that there was tools to, to use that. So what started off as like a nice little hair pull <laughs> has, mm-hmm. has greatly progressed, Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see. And then uh, right here, I'd like to dismantle all these mi- myths and misconceptions around kink. So what yeah. kink actually is and what kinky means? Because, you know, people immediately imagine all these pictures of like dark dungeons somewhere in like a Berlin club with uh, <laughs> lots of latex, but it's not always that. So what is it? Yeah, absolutely. And for starters, <laughs> I am one of the kinkiest people you will ever meet. And I do not do dungeons and dragons and all the crazy stuff that you would think. So there's for starters. I'm a normal human being with some kinky aspects, but kink just technically means if you look up the dictionary term is just sexual behaviors outside of the normal mm-hmm. that is all it means and it's really hard because in your in your opinion how would you define normal sexuality what is normal i mean that's that's exactly the point there isn't normal right no. so that that that's just our natural desires for pleasure for connection Um, for being with a partner on your own, connecting to the primal sexual energy and how people do that, as long as it's all consensual and safe. It's uh, everyone's own expression. So it's kind of weird to call kinky just something outside of the norm. So anything that's outside of what kind of norm, right? Mm. Exactly. It's a completely subjective experience because what I find completely... I think normal for my world might be very daring and taboo for yours. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the better definition of, of kink that I found is perhaps things that elevate your state of emotional and sexual arousal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that, that they don't feel common to you. So that could be your, your version of kink. Mm-hmm. Now the, the beautiful thing about, I think the stereotypical side of kink is that it offers a really good pathway on how to get started with exploring different things because mm-hmm. we put them in an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, some structure, some framework to start with and imagine, right? Um, okay. For you, I had a quick question. Yeah. What was your introduction to kink? Or <laughs> is it? Yeah, that 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 story um, is is a very dear to me, uh, very dear to me actually. Well, um, 
I've had my my story is super different from yours, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. I'm coming from a half Muslim country. We're also post Soviet background, and there is this joke that no one had sex in Soviet Union because like nobody spoke of it, didn't exist. Um, so it's like a very, very old fashioned environment where you kind of are supposed to be scared of anything outside of any sort of normality. You basically are supposed to only have this missionary pose in sex and that's it. <laughs> and especially women, like, you know, Muslim, Muslim environments still affect that. And I, as a result, like I had my sexual trauma when I was a kid and then I, um, kind of felt into a mindset of being a victim of sex as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that sex is something I give to someone in return for something. And mm-hmm. I never like could explore sexuality for myself, for my own pleasure. And even then growing up, I had a very, very amazing, caring boyfriend who um, I've lived with for some time. We dated for three and a half years. And mm. he was just the kindest, the most dedicated man you'll, you'll ever find, like all the fairy tales you you imagine. Mm. But sexually, I wasn't satisfied or open. I didn't know I wasn't satisfied, but I just, that sex for me was something I, again, give for love. Um, mm. So it was boring. I'm sure I was like the really, like I was a super boring lover. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm a poor guy. And uh, when when we broke up and I explored other relationships, I very quickly fell into this relationship with um, a man that, I mean, was just life-changing. Cha- life so we mm-hmm. met uh, in a beautiful bar. And then, like, next day, we run away to Paris together, blah, blah, blah. But all um, everything was based on kinky uh, sexual interactions. So we Ooh. got into the... Like I, he was more experienced than me, way more experienced. And for some reason, we fell into this play of um, submissive dominant. Ooh. And through exactly through that play, through that game, through the use of certain tools and language and communication, and this is something I really want to talk about with you on this podcast, mm-hmm. I've learned to reclaim my power as a woman. I've learned to realize that I am here to receive pleasure, not just to be a victim of the act. And mm-hmm. that's su- such contradictory, so such counterintuitive concept because like, you know, when you are a submissive in the role, you are kind of being victimized by like in the eyes of the society by serving someone. However, Actually, particularly in a consensual um, exp- like BDSM experience, you learn to communicate. And that's the most incredible tool through which you learn so much about yourself because I got to self-inquire. What is it that I like? What is it that I don't like? Where are my boundaries? Where mm-hmm. it's a hard no and where it's, it is a yes. I had to f- inquire that and then learn to communicate it through body language, through my own voice. So from there, I can say that my true awakening has started. And interestingly, I didn't fall into like strictly kinky kind of um, experiences afterwards. I just had that uh, relationship for some time that changed me. And uh, now I'm exploring all possibilities of sexuality through various work. But without that, I don't think I would become who I am now. So that's why uh, this is so important to talk about. And I'm, I want to 
learn from you yeah. more and share that with is, the audience. That is so special. That yeah. is so that is so special to go from from your upbringing and where you came from and like you said feeling a, a victim to the act mm -hmm. to then having this life altering experience mm -hmm. to where it, it's interesting in what you said and it's something that I mirror that I say to a lot of people that if you're not interested in BDSM and kink that is completely fine but what you gain from taking the time to get educated in it will benefit every aspect of your life and even your vanilla sex absolutely because, well because what you just spoke about people mm -hmm. aren't doing it in quote-unquote vanilla sex mm -hmm. and so now you have this framework to where you can explore whatever you want it doesn't need to be the whips and chains but you have a say and an empowerment in your body and your pleasure. What a beautiful story. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I cherish this story because without it, I wouldn't even realize how to reclaim power, how to communicate and what can actually sex mean to you. So I'm mm. super grateful for that experience. Um, shout out to that man who might be, who is subscribed to this podcast, actually. <laughs> um, and... And yeah, so let's let's then deep deep dive into this concept. Tell me more about exactly what you've just said. What can people learn from kink, even those who aren't interested in all aspects of it? Why everyone should learn about it? Absolutely. I I think first and foremost, if you really strip down why kink is threatening to many people or maybe daunting or scary is I don't think it's the tools or the acts. I, I think it's the the raw expression of being yourself, having a voice, vouching for yourself, pure communication. It's all these things that we don't typically do in the societies that we grow up in. And so when you see a subset, I guess, of sexuality where people are ethically doing things correctly, it's a turnoff because we're not used to it. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. right now, when I'd say 90% of the people I coach, they need kinky communication work. Because if you think about the sex that you had beforehand, I wonder if you resonate with this. I always say before we learn kinky communication and concepts, we're basically just playing sexual charades. Yeah. Which is we're not talking, we're not communicating, we're expecting and our needs are not getting met, but we're moving our bodies into it and we're trying to communicate a message with our partner, but it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's not, nothing's happening. And what does that lead to? Disappointment and angst. Yeah, and for such a frustration that so many people have, right? They expect their partners just to know and then they don't and then <laughs> they're just frustrated instead of going on exploring and communicating and exactly. actually how do you make in this context how do you make um people understand this kinky communication so how do you educate them on it yeah. i would yeah so the, the first and foremost i think with with kinky communication and like i said i think it's important to think about that you don't need to do this in a dungeon. You could do this. You could use these concepts at, at work if you want to, and I'll give you some examples. But I think the overlying importance of kink and something that should be important in everything is the concept of consent, that mm -hmm. you have a choice 
in everything you do. You have a choice in everything that happens to you. You have a voice that is important. So that is the most fundamental portion of kink. Like you mentioned earlier, if it's consensual and everyone's having fun, it shouldn't really matter what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. And with that concept, if we think about it, it empowers us to think, oh, we have a voice and we have a say in our friendships. We have one with our family. We have one with work. So that is the first fundamental is consent and choosing what we get to happen to us. We no longer, like you said, we no longer become a victim of the act. We are actively involved in every step of that way, which which I think is probably the most important part for especially women who have gone through sexual traumas or really repressed societies is, holy shit, we have a say now? We yeah. get to decide and we get to be heard and respected? Mm. That's so, game changer, yeah. Yeah, that, that's an absolute game changer. And kink, once we have the element of consent, we're also we're also playing a little bit into taboos. So... I'm wondering what went through your head as you entered a, a submissive dominant dynamic. Mm. We're, we're told, is, we're, what an interesting society we live in. We're told that we essentially as women, we need to be submissive. But then if we by choice choose to be submissive, it is somehow degrading because we're supposed to be the empowered woman that men don't tell us what to do. And then we'll... <laughs> And then we're in a situation where we are getting dominated. So I, I'm curious, how how did it feel for you to, I think, embrace a little bit of that taboo to where with the kink, you are actively going every against everything that society tells you to do? I mean, for me and still to date, it's mm -hmm. a pure relaxation and surrender. And the feeling you get when you trust someone fully and whether it's sexually or in life, like say you really trust um, your friend to ride you on a motorbike. That, mm -hmm. I, I like this association because when you really trust someone to ride you on a motorbike, you can really relax, observe the the air around you and the nature. And like you get that amazing feeling of high. But if you didn't trust and didn't fully surrender, you wouldn't get that. And similarly there, you have this just feeling of pure relaxation and bliss because mm -hmm. suddenly you don't need to control the world around you the whole time. And I kind of felt like, well... If now I realize this, these are like just altered states of consciousness, right? So you get into the state where your even brain waves are changing um, into something that's not your a conscious, straightforward, focused awareness. And you just receive beautiful sensations that only are possible because um, you are really surrendering. And I guess that's what it was for me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you, you nailed it because <laughs> after the portion of consent, all the tools, kink is not about the tools. It is not about the actions. It is about the feeling. And so the feelings you are trying to accomplish through the use of kink is surrender for some power, right? Some people want power and embracing themselves. Then vulnerability, which you have expressed, and then trust, which you have expressed. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think the world would be a better place if we all had vulnerability, trust, surrender and feeling empowered yeah 
<laughs> exactly. All so, these things that are taboo very often are those that actually would lead to a better place if more people embrace them. So, Absolutely. The taboos in kink are not so much about doing them, but they're the tools that help you confront those things a little easier. Mm-hmm. Because getting spanked or getting tied up or being submissive to someone takes immense trust, vulnerability, and surrender. And then on the same end, if you're the one dishing it, it takes immense trust, vulnerability, and surrender to also feel empowered in giving that. So you're essentially in kink, you are just consenting to using these incredible tools at hand to create, I think, what is the essence of human connection. I often say that we in kink, we're coming back home to ourselves. It's not really a place where you can act or not be yourself when you're fully into it. Hmm. Well, so then if we get into details, how does that work? Like what would a person now listening to this podcast be like, okay, hmm, I feel, I'm feeling a bit more brave, a bit more empowered to go and explore my kinky side. What would you suggest them do? How to start? Where to explore? So... Ooh, that's a fun one. There's so many, there's so many avenues. I think when you are first starting, sometimes it's really good, especially with the people I coach. Uh, I always suggest having some sort of intention. So does the idea of kink sound exciting because you saw it on social media or, or in a movie? Uh, does it sound exciting because maybe you heard of the benefits that you and I just spoke about, which is the elements of trust, human connection, etc.? Do you want to explore it because you want to see the altered state of consciousness that could be there for you or simply exploring sensation, right? Why wouldn't we want to explore all that our, our body can produce for us? So I think the intention is a really good start. And from there, it's, I, I think people don't like this answer, Mariah, but mm-hmm. it's research, <laughs> doing, doing a little bit of research. You don't know what you don't know. And if the idea sounds good and you're stuck on where to start, doing a little bit of research can help you find the tools and the ways. Uh, In what I see commonly in my practice, (laughs) and it's something that I recommend that is so precious, and this was precious to me in the moment, is buying like your your first little tiny BDSM kit that has a (laughs) bunch of tools in it, and you get to play with it like a newborn baby. (laughs) And you get to see what what lands for you. Because I'm curious, if you didn't have your introduction and if you didn't do your research, do you think you would step into this fully on your own? Um, pro- like, I have no idea where I would even be, right? Yeah. I've, I, it shifted me as a woman, shifted me as in my work and everywhere. So I have yeah. no idea what would I do. I'm glad I was kind of like forced yeah. my life into it. But... Uh... Now, uh, hearing you out, I understand. I would maybe have come across your Instagram reels <laughs> and learn from there. I'm not sure. And what's what's interesting, and I have a suggestion that I use with people, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion mm-hmm. on it, but what I found with, with kink, and it's a lot like masturbation, is that when we practice first with ourselves, there's an interesting safety net to where there's no pressure and we feel safe with ourselves. Right. Mm. And so how we, how we may typically use masturbation to find out what we like, what our fantasies are, maybe if we want to act on them, 
what toys we like, what sensations we like. I think we can do similar concepts within the world of kink. So for example, you can tie yourself up. You can practice wearing a collar at home. You can spank yourself. You, there's so many things that you can do practically on your own. And you're able to explore those in the safety net of your own personal space. So you can have an introduction and figure it out if it feels too daunting to start that with someone off the get-go. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So t- try and learn and master on your own and then bring the knowledge into partner experiences. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what should they do if you say like, yeah, how do they bring it into partnership though? Because that, mm-hmm. that can be quite awkward for many people. It can feel awkward to go and talk to a partner or a lover and be like, this is something I want to try. Now, I mean, uh, as, as I've, I've done my work, for me, it's, I understand I can just come and say this is something I want to try. But I can imagine just saying this for a lot of us can be quite awkward. So how do yeah, how to get that conversation in the first place? Yeah, it, it can feel quite awkward, but as you know, this this awkwardness, it's not specific to kink. Mm-hmm. This is going to really just come down to how do you communicate in general? So can you ask for an orgasm? If you can ask for an orgasm, you can surely ask to wear a leash, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to come down to stripping. How are you? How are you communicating? So some of my best tips for bringing up new things is one getting into the practice of having conversations around sex or intimacy in general so Mm. if you're not doing that at all maybe it's time to get started after sex would you like to have a communication where you express what felt really good are you able to instruct your partner on what you'd like them to do to your body and if that alone feels a little threatening then maybe maybe it might be too much to bring the kink in right exactly so if if talks of intimacy and body and sex aren't already there bringing in the kink side might feel a little too daunting so really going back to how am I communicating about sex in general to my partner can we start talking about our pleasure and honestly getting better at communication so how how do you typically bring up something new to someone and I'll tell you mine after yours I am being um, no sometimes it's still a problem for me mm. but most of the time I can just say hey um, I just want to try something new or there is something I've uh, learned about recently and I'd like to explore that mm. or I'd be like would you like to try this or I would like to give you this and see if you like that and if you want to give me that too, you know, like I would basically play with this kind of words, but I'm sure you have better advice. Yours is that yours is actually really good. So (laughs) no, 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 yours, yours falls into it. So number one, when you're communicating anything new, this doesn't have to be just is that needs to be done in a neutral setting. So Mm. number one way that people mess up, trying kinks with their partners, let alone trying anything sexually new with their partners is you are springing them the idea in the middle of sex or 
when they're not able to fully think through it. And what does that do? That violates the first thing that we talked about that's really important, which is consent, mm-hmm. right? Consent not only means being able to say yes or no, but it means a- being able to make a really good and educated decision mm. on that yes and that no. So if you are naked and you pull out handcuffs on surprise, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel very optional to some people. Yeah. And you and I have been in this field for a while, so it feels optional to us, but I would gauge to say 80% of people, they probably wouldn't say no when maybe they wanted to think it through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice neutral setting. And then the next thing is using I statements, which you have already brought up here. Because at the end of the day, when you're bringing up something, it's about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is about you. And I think bringing up new things sexually can feel a little vulnerable for some because I think the number one fear, and I'm sure this still happens to me, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it happens to you is we don't want to make our partner feel like they're not doing enough, which is yeah. why we're bringing often <laughs> often the case that can be indeed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So using those I statements, the ones that you said, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. It's I saw this, I'm interested in it. Um, something that I really like to accentuate is why you want to try it with them. Mm-hmm. And, with, and with kink, it's incredibly special because as we declared earlier, kink involves a lot of vulnerability and trust. And so when we reframe a narrative of saying, I want to try getting spanked because I'm bored, to, <laughs> to I would love to try spanking because I trust you so much to be vulnerable in this position and I really want to see where that road takes us together. It's a very different feeling. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Very often it's like, oh, do we have a problem? You want to talk about it? How do we fix the problem? But it's like not everything is about the problem. Sometimes it's about expanding things and getting higher and better Mm -hmm. and having more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that's what communication has to say. Mm -hmm. Any other tips? The, the third one and the most important mm-hmm. one, if you practice these three, you can honestly apply it to anything. The, the third and most important one, like I said earlier, kink is not about the tools. It is about mm-hmm. the feeling you are trying to achieve. And so it makes it, especially for, I, even though I want to believe we're in a world where everybody has a kinky capacity, mm-hmm. I have to accept <laughs> that some people might be really turned off by traditional kinky ideas. And so it can feel very threatening coming up to someone and saying, I would like to have my, my back whipped or be tied up and they see the tools and they get scared <laughs> or they see what you're asking and they get scared versus portraying what is the feeling that you are trying to explore. And so, for example, you had mentioned the, the feeling of surrender. So instead of saying, I want to try ropes and that might freak you out, you can say the reason I want to try ropes is because I've researched and I've heard that there is a lot of deep surrender in restraining the body. And I would like to explore that surrender. Yeah, that sounds very attractive, actually. (laughs) Very attractive. So think about that. You pair the feeling and then you also pair it with the, I'm looking to explore deep surrender. This shows that I can explore deep surrender. And then I trust you of all people Mm -hmm. to be this vulnerable and this trusting with it's, 
I think it really elevates and puts someone on on like a beautiful platform where you're letting them know this is a vulnerable moment for me and you are the one I chose for this very special conversation. Okay. Yeah. That that <laughs> is a very good one. I'll take a note. So, so the beauty of King really is you learn so much for your life. All these things that you've just mentioned can be reframed for even like for work. Like when you need something from a colleague or a boss, you can also ask uh, in a way that you've just recommended regarding King. So using I statements and expressing what it is that we could do for you so that people don't feel attacked or people don't feel like there is a problem. Rather, mm-hmm. you're coming here with solutions for something that could be better for everybody. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, just different words, but the framework works everywhere, really. Um, that's great. It, it does. The framework mm-hmm. does work everywhere. And that's, I mean, that that's just the beginning portions mm-hmm. of King, right? How to get started yeah. and how how to continue that, that conversation. Mm-hmm. So there is a whole world there uh, that we won't be able to fully show in this podcast and people can really learn about by exploring your channels and more information online and and hopefully more in person. Um, Would you briefly describe what's out there? Just um, a sneak peek of what's possible to learn and achieve if if people get on this exploration. Absolutely. So... As I mentioned before, kink is kind of, is, a, is a bit of an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when people think of kink, they find it more synonymous with a subset of sexual or non-sexual actions that we call BDSM. Yeah. And so BDSM is bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, masochism. Mm-hmm. So that would fall into more of what people have seen, right? That's yeah, going to yeah. be maybe some leather, some whips, some chains. And again, they're all fancy tools, but what it really comes down to is sensation. So you have a lot of sensation play based with, I think, psychological play, which we can get into here together. Um, and then, yeah, the, the tools to help you get to the feeling that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. So what would be the most, what would be the, the most common ones that I think people can start with? Because I'm not going to bore you and tell you three hours worth of kinks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because Mariah, I'll be frank with you. Anything can be a kink at this yeah. point. It yeah. just depends on how you feel about it. So yeah. I think the most common ones that someone listening to this podcast have probably seen are going to really delve into restraint. So forms of restraint. Mm-hmm going to be handcuffs, ropes, um, sadism, masochism. So maybe a little bit of pain play mm-hmm. that could be your impact tools like spanking or crops or paddles. And then there's the psychological aspect of, of the dom, the dominance and submission. And sometimes they all, they all intertwine a bit because when you practice dominance and submission with that partner, I'm assuming you had a variety of tools that reinforce that dynamic. Right? Yeah, language and tools—they play. They both play a role, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And and I'm curious. You're and just I'm asking because your experience is so valuable. Yeah. To people, to people listening, in the sense that you went from zero to being <laughs> in it. <laughs> yes. Like that's actually true. 
I didn't no. do research before. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So in terms of there's this whole world of kink and it's so hard to address the, the specifics. And so I think it's really valuable to look at what were the first psychological aspects, language and tools that you think helped transition you in. For me, it was definitely the psychological aspect of submitting to someone. And for me, that came in the form of hair pulling, spanking, um, dirty talk, some rough sex. And that's where I found the first elements of surrender into my body and letting someone do that because, well, not letting someone, I don't like that language, but surrendering to someone being able to give me that. So I'm curious, what were your first tools that helped you transition into this life? That's a really good uh, question that makes me (laughs) self-inquire. So I would say that similarly to you, it was um, about the language, the communication that happened in the first place of, I mean, he tested the waters if I'm open to it psychologically and then asked if, not asked, but told me where and how I should wait for him. And you know, this is this first twist of um, the submissive dominant dynamic. Mm-hmm. And there would be a game of like what I should wear and where I should sit, like all mm-hmm. these details that would come from, from the dominating part of the play. And I would, and like there would be like rules that I had to follow. And all of that was fully consensual from my side and the, inside the game. Mm-hmm. I could feel completely safe. And then the in terms of tools, there would be indeed the, the constraint, the restraint, um, how you say that. So the ropes um, and yeah, I would say like mostly ropes and uh, closing some sort of sensations in terms of closing the eyes with eye mask and yeah, lots of restraining things. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, whoa, that was a while ago. I'm like now remembering detail. <laughs> But, so yeah, now, both tools and language for sure. Yeah. Now, what's what's interesting is those those tools they helped you accomplish your surrender, right? Was that yeah. the end goal? Um, was- hmm, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, technically, I guess yes. The goal mm-hmm. then then um, we get closer and then we have sex, right? And yeah. the the sex itself becomes a full act of surrender where the pleasure comes in and where the body relaxes as well um, after mm-hmm. climax so much deeper. Um, and that also has some sort of special bonding as a result as well. Um, yeah, not sure what was the end goal. Maybe that. So, and, and the end goal for those listening, you don't need to know that yeah. off the start. That comes, it's kind of like when you drink wine mm-hmm. and, you, and you have a palate. Now, 10 years into it, I know, I know exactly what, what my end goal is because I know what fulfills me there. Mm-hmm. You go finding that out. So when you're starting, what can be really easy is to, once you do your research, so this is what I do for my clients to make it less overwhelming mm-hmm. once they start. Yes, practice with yourself, but once you're ready to go with a partner and you talk it through, it's, I always like to play like a little, a little game of pick and choose. So Pick a feeling you want to explore and pick a tool to help you get there. And that's how you start. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So it's, you know, you want to feel submissive. Great. You can, you can use a a paddle to help you feel submissive or you can get tied up. 
you want to feel, you want to try degradation. You can choose words and verbiage to help you get there alongside an action. So that helps narrow it down. So you don't look at this world and get a little overwhelmed. Um, and you mentioned something that you mentioned was this immense sense of, of connection. Yeah. Because as I mentioned in the kink journey, you have, like I said, it's important to have the consent and then you look at the tools and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, as you get more and more versed in, in kink, you will go over things like negotiating a scene, which is deciding what happens when you play, um, then going through it. But when you're just when you're just starting off, those concepts can be uh, a little overwhelming. So to keep it simple, after after the play, the most important part is retaining that connection. And that's through something we call aftercare. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think people, you know, they they find out the stuff, they get the tools, they think that they just need to go into the bedroom and like hit the shit out of each other. <laughs> and then <laughs> And then they're like, okay, well, that's it. It's not. Because you, in your situation, you were so vulnerable. I'm sure you were cracked open. Mm -hmm. You had the most amazing sex, amazing pleasure. What followed after that? Well, always good aftercare. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what an experienced person. Whoa. It looks like he's taken the, the courses. <laughs> but no, we would like we would either be in bed or we'd go for a nice dinner together. And like it would be actually quite... Um, I don't know, very sweet after. And also what what was pretty present in all the communicate in all that communication was the inquiry to me. So what is it for you? Uh what do you like? What do you want? Like those questions were asked to me either before or after, or it's like just during normal interactions, um, which made me also back then self-inquire, finally. <laughs> which I didn't do before. Uh, so yeah, for sure. Lots of, I mean, it wasn't uh, like, okay, bye <laughs> kind of situation. Exactly. Because what happens if, if we kink should not happen without aftercare. The reason being is if you have a very kinky experience where maybe you're vulnerable, you've surrendered, or you've been in a position of power and you don't have aftercare, which aftercare is essentially coming down from the experience, kind of like you would coming down from a drug, right? So yeah. when you come down from ecstasy, do you want to go to work immediately? <laughs> no. <laughs> or do you want to sit in bed and cuddle and eat food and rest? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So the aftercare is that portion of helping you come back down to earth, helping you feel secure in the experience. Because if if we don't do that, we've cracked open and then we're left cracked open. And what happens? We can feel a vulnerability hangover. Um, depending on the intensity of what you're doing, sometimes it could be a little destabilizing for some. Mm -hmm. And I've personally experienced that myself. So the aftercare, it doesn't matter if it's just a quick cuddle or a nice conversation or someone getting you water or whatever it needs to do. But it's just a sweet moment to have afterwards where you can let each other know that was great. We're vulnerable. We are here for each other and, and we get to complete each other and put a nice finish to, to the fun that we have had. And I, I think that if someone wants to start practicing that concept, again, it goes down to 
there's no reason why you can't practice aftercare with vanilla sex. Mm-hmm. Van- vanilla or quote unquote, whatever vanilla means to you can still be equally as cracked open and vulnerable. So why are we not having the these moments of reflection and closure afterwards? Yeah, that that that's true for everything. Like. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got, you basically you've got so much knowledge and tell me, how does it work with your clients? Like, how do you, what, where people can find you and also <laughs> what kind of programs you run and uh, yeah, how do you work with people? Yeah, absolutely. Right now I work all online and I work one-on-one with my coaching clients and mm-hmm. I work in the capacity of doing either six-week or 12-week programs, which I have found useful depending on the person because just like learning a fitness program or a new diet program, you need consistency, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do have one-off sessions with people, but I, what I love about the programs is people are taking a deep dive to, to really find a new form of themselves and to find their deepest selves. And within there, we learn the concepts that you and I have spoken about today, mm-hmm. which comes down to communication, finding your flavor, finding what makes you feel safe, and then putting that out into the world and exploring it. Mm. Now, if people aren't ready to do that much of a deep dive and they and they wish to explore on their own, I've created a course called Discovering Kink, which is so special to me because I practically, what I wanted to do in this course is I wanted people to avoid the hundreds of hours of Reddit research I did when I was getting into kink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a lot of information and I wanted people to have a one-stop shop to where they can learn about kink, they can learn about the ethics and some of the steps that you and I have spoken about today, and they can feel comfortable and confident getting started on a few of those modalities. So that's what I offer. Okay, that that's great. So there are quite a few options. And what about couples? Do you ever coach couples? I do. I coach couples, individuals, all genders, all sexualities. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do this work, especially since the world of BDSM and kink is applicable to anyone, regardless of who you are. So I'm going to leave uh, links to your programs that you've mentioned uh, in this episode description so that people can find them as well. And yeah, thank you for this <laughs> self-inquiry you've made me do today unexpectedly <laughs> but honestly like all these stories we women have uh yes yeah, so much to learn as long as we reflect on them so thanks for this opportunity very grateful to mm-hmm. be here and also incredibly grateful you would also share your experience considering yeah. <laughs> these are the stories that help people feel more comfortable embracing their own I'm sure at this point, if you're listening to this podcast and you are involved in this community, you I'm sure there's been kinky aspects that have been in the back of your mind. And if there's any time to embrace it, it's now. Mm-hmm. So, so I hope this episode has stripped, I think, a layer of hesitance to help yeah. you get started and to find what you're trying to feel and what you're trying to discover together. Amazing. Thank you. And on my side, I do hope a lot, a lot of people will start opening up their minds to not think in just this old, traditional and outdated social uh, conditioning we've all had around all things sexuality and taboo and kink and just associate these words with something weird or 
dodgy and actually open up to hear real science and research and psychology of all of this and start understanding that this is the work that can help a lot of people to find themselves. Great, beautiful intention. That was Julieta Chiara. You can connect with her in our private chat for women feel where you can also listen to her educational audios around kink. If you aren't with Phil yet, join via a link in the show notes to access thousands of minutes of free education on all things sexuality and feminine energy. You can also find Julieta's Instagram and website in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Follow this podcast for more episodes and audio guided practices and please take a moment to rate this show as this helps us to reach more people and grow towards our mission to help women reconnect with their sexuality and as a result thrive in life your support means a lot to us